We've entitled this The Anticipation of Our Future. This is an issue that is very important that we're covering tonight because God, you see, He's designed His Word in such a way to where if we are taking it in the way we should and and responding to it the way we should, it ends up being a huge blessing in our lives. We see the value of it, and we fall in love with the Scriptures. Uh, Now, I know people say, well, you, you should be falling in love with Jesus, not the Scriptures. But He's the one who gave the Scriptures, okay? So through the Word of God is a gateway into our relationship. It is the conduit where we build our relationship with the Lord. It's easy to get bogged down with all the issues that we are facing on a daily basis. I know this last year was rough in a lot of different ways, but I do want us to look a little bit at the big picture. And when we look at the big picture, this is the way God wants us to see, and this will really help us out. It'll end up being a great blessing and intended as God intended it to be a great encouragement to us. Now, there is a, a famine in the land, if I could say, in the quote-unquote church today. And I know there are some prophecy teachers that give the whole idea of prophecy or teaching prophecy. It gives it a bad name because they're, they're date setters and they're sensationalists and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going there, and you know I'm not that way. I'm, I'm, I'm very hesitant to say this is the fulfillment of this or this is the fulfillment of that when the Scriptures don't actually say that. you got to be careful with that kind of stuff. It doesn't take much to be discredited, and now your ministry's shot because you're a false prophet. And so we want to be careful about that. But God does speak about the future, and He speaks about it, and He gives it to us in the Scripture— in such a way to where we, if we are going to take it in the way we should and respond to it, we are going to be so blessed. Unfortunately, there's a lot of Christians who don't get any of it. Now, I don't mean understand it. Well, they don't understand it either, but they're not getting it in the churches they're in. And so there's a different level of despair and depression in those churches. It says in Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word of revelation is where we, it's the word apocalypse. Okay, you've probably heard that word before. The apocalypse of Jesus Christ. It is literally, okay, the revelation, the revealing, that's what apocalypse means, a revelation is a revealing of something, the revelation or the unveiling of Jesus Christ, Jesus, God our Savior, Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. So the book of Revelation reveals, unveils the Lord Jesus Christ in His majesty, who He is, and the fact that Jesus is who He is, and He has conquered death through His resurrection— should give us unbelievable encouragement in life. Because we are linked to him. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're part of the body of Christ now. We are one with Christ. We are in Christ, the Bible says. And so this is something that uh, we need to really think about. What majesty it leads us to think of. And then as you see it in the scriptures and you see Jesus revealed, 
to John and how he wrote the things down that he saw. It's like, wow, this is what's coming in the future. Part of my series in Revelation, I can't remember which message it was, but it was titled something like, what does God look like? Or, or something having to do with that. You would not believe the amount of people who have listened to that on Sermon Audio. Now, it wasn't anything weird. We were just covering some scriptures here in the book of Revelation. It was the picture, or what's written, is talking about Jesus. Jesus on his throne. It's right in the book. But people have the idea. We have no idea what he looks like. Well, read the book of Revelation, and you'll get an idea what he is going to look like. And so we see the first thing here in Revelation 1.1, we see the purpose of the book, to show the things which must shortly come to pass. And what is that? Here it is. It puts our Savior in his rightful place. He's no longer a suffering prophet, rejected of men, despised, okay, hanging on a cross. No, he died on the cross, yes, to pay for our sins. He was buried, he rose from the grave, and he ascended to heaven, glorified, the one who has conquered death and conquered everything and offers eternal life. This is what we see. It puts our Savior in his rightful place. It is the way it will be in the future. And that is a wonderful thing to think about. Whatever is bugging you, whatever is dragging you down, whatever is discouraging you, let us get our eyes on Christ and what it's going to be like for us in the future. That is one of the benefits and reasons God has given us prophecy, is to be encouraged by it. This is powerful because it drives us to realize how the future will truly be. And this is not fantasy or fiction. This is fact. Secondly, though, also notice that they must shortly come to pass. They're in the middle of verse 1. Things which must shortly come to pass. There is no question John was told through this to look for Christ to come back. And we know John was looking for him. James was looking for him. Peter was looking for him. Paul was looking for him. They were all looking for Christ to come back. Why? Well, because the Bible teaches imminency. And yet, with that in mind, and so many scriptures, and we've spent a lot of time in other messages dealing with the imminency issue. With that in mind, though, people say, how do you know we're in the last days? Blah, blah, blah. Well, hold your place here and look at Second Peter chapter 3, because every time one of them opens their mouth, it is more proof that we are in the last days. <laughs> it's so cool, all right? Second Peter chapter 3, in verse 3, Second Peter, not first, it says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, mockers, walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. One of the marks of the last days is there will be people denying we're in the last days. That is what it's saying. People say, how do you know we're in the last days? Do you deny it? Well, I don't really think we are. Okay, well, that proves we're in the last days. Huh? You just proved it. You fulfill prophecy by what you just said. Back to Revelation. Chapter 1. 
It says in verse 2, by his angel unto his servant, or signified it, by his angel unto his servant John, verse 2, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he, blessed, happy. Do you see it? Happy. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. There we go again. Here we see again, the time is at hand. Verse 1, it says that these things must shortly come to pass. This is also said in the last few verses in the book of Revelation, one of them being in Revelation 22, verse 10, it says, and he saith unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. The time is at hand. But I want you to notice something, and this is where we're going to kind of park for the rest of the message tonight, is in verse 3. In verse 3, which is our third point, is this. There is a triple blessing in verse 3. Revelation is the only book of the Bible that promises this triple blessing. This is one reason why we shouldn't be ignoring it, the issue of the book of Revelation, the issue of preaching and teaching from the book of Revelation. This is why it should not be ignored, especially in the pulpits today of our churches. But this is exactly what's going on. And it isn't just ignorance, folks. We have churches that were once dispensational. They were pre-tribulational, pre-millennial rapture, and they have forsaken that position. They have forsaken it. Many churches, even here in St. Cloud, refuse to speak on prophecy. I'm not sure why that is. If they believe the Bible, how can you refuse to teach on prophecy if you believe the Bible? 28 to 30 percent of the Bible is prophetic. Now listen, for a preacher to ignore 28 to 30 percent of the Bible, that's between one-fourth and one-third of the Scripture. How can you have a biblically balanced ministry if you're ignoring that much of the Word of God? Now, God doesn't want us to only talk about prophecy, because then you're ignoring the rest of it. But he does want us to talk about it. And as a matter of fact, he says, I'm giving you actually even a little bit more incentive to focus on it. I'm telling you, I've got a special blessing to you. If you will get into the book of Revelation and you will read it and you'll hear what it's saying and you'll keep those things that are here. How can you not preach on it? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, right? That's why we just don't, in our church, we just don't even do the New Testament. We also do Old Testament too, because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. You got to keep it in the context. You got to keep it right as far as where it fits into the Bible. But all of it is important, and all of it we can learn from and be blessed by. But here, out of all the books of the Bible, the book of Revelation says there is a special blessing to the one who will study it. Again, verse 3, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Let's break this down. Blessed is he that readeth. I was blessed today. You know, the, the Bible's so inexhaustible. Even though you may teach through books several times, you don't usually look up and 
study every single word. Most of it you just figure, yeah, I get that. And, you know, and, you're, and you're looking for something else in, in the verse. I thought today, well, you know, that's an interesting word. Uh, I'm just going to, I mean, I know what read means, but you know, what does read mean? And it's like, well, we know, we do it all the time. I'm reading right now. What does read mean? You know, it's interesting, though, it literally means to know again. To know again. The word know, knowledge, one of the Greek words is gnosko, and it's got, I think it's anagnosko is, is what it is, and it means again. So it means to know, but to know again. And I thought, you know what, Lord, that's just like us. We forget. We learn stuff and we forget it. It's like, didn't you learn that? Well, yeah, I learned it, but I forgot what it means. That's why we need to be in it, because we need to learn it again. We need to read it again. We need to know it again. And as we do, it will excite and motivate you. The book of Revelation, for a believer, it should excite and motivate us. For an unbeliever, it ought to scare them. If you haven't trusted Christ as Savior, honestly, it should keep you up at night. It really should. The Bible tells us that the near future for planet Earth is a scary one if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. But if you have trusted in Christ as your Savior, the future is exciting. You might say, well, wait a minute. Yeah, but the tribulation is coming. Hey, saints, we're not going to be here. That's exciting. We're going to be in heaven. We're going to be with the Lord. Oh, that doesn't mean it's, we don't care about what's going on down here. But the fact of it is, he's saving us from the time of trouble, not through the time of trouble. Out of is what that means. So we need to be reading the Word of God because that helps us know again God's ways. It refreshes, refreshes our minds. But secondly, you notice here in verse 3, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words. Now, obviously, the word here, it doesn't just mean to hear the sound. Okay, those of you with children, you know what I'm talking about. Didn't you hear what I said? Well, they heard. They may pretend like they didn't. Or you say, did you hear what I said? Uh-huh. And then they don't do it. Say, didn't you hear what I said? Uh, uh, what? They heard the sound, sort of like <laughs> the, the peanuts teacher. The cartoons, the peanuts cartoons and the teachers, wah, wah, wah. That's so funny. Wah, wah, wah. Hopefully kids don't think that way in our school. Maybe some of them do by some of the things that they do. I don't know. Hear the words. No, it doesn't just mean to hear a sound. It means to listen. Listen to what's being said. There are many people who come to church who don't listen to what's being said. You might say, how do I know who's if a person's listening or not. Well, that's number one. Of course, it's not for us to judge, but, you know, here's one factor, folks. God is in the life-changing business. He's in the life-transformation business. If a person can come to our church with all the meat that's being served on the table, and if they can come to our church and their life does not change, they are not listening. They're not listening. They may be hearing, but they're not listening. Because the Word of God, if applied, brings transformation to a life. 
Their lights are on, but nobody's home. God is speaking today through his word, but people aren't hearing him. How is it that you can have all the technology and all the Bibles, as I just said on Sunday, all the new Bibles being published and all this kind of stuff, and yet the quality of the church is going down, 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 down. How is that possible? Because they're not listening to God. They're going through the motions, but they're not listening to God. Seven times in chapters 2 and 3, it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear. And yes, it is the same word, what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Seven times it says that. Now, how does hearing revelation help us in our everyday lives? Well, it increases our faith and it builds our faith. Okay? And this is the blessing that God has given us. It increases our faith and it builds our faith. You know, if we really believe the Bible is the Word of God, let's say we're going through a time of discouragement and trial and testing in our lives. Open up the book of Revelation. You might say, well, I go to the Psalms. Amen. Go to the Psalms. Go anywhere you want to go in the Bible, but open up the book of Revelation. This is one place you can go because God guarantees he promises a blessing and start reading. And it's like, you know what? My future is bright. You know what? Things are going to get better things are going to get better. Jesus told me that he's going to come back at any moment. I can certainly hold out for longer. Things aren't as bad as I, man, I've got, you know, people say, what is heaven like? People say, no one knows what it's like. Wait a minute. Have you read Revelation 21, 22? There it is. Now, granted, God could only tell us so much because our brains would fry if we actually comprehended and saw everything that was there and the way it was and had perfect description, I don't think our minds can even handle it. I think, I've said it before, and I could be wrong, but I honestly think we would go insane. If we were put in heaven as we are, I think we'd go crazy. It'd just be too much for our senses. It'd be overload. But what does it do? It increases our faith and it builds our faith. Hold your place and look at Psalm 119. I'm referring here to all the scripture, but certainly this applies to the book of Revelation. Psalm 119, verse 50. Psalm 119, verse 50. The psalmist says, This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. The word quicken, it means to make alive or to revive. The word of God revives us. It's like cold water when you're really thirsty. It's like, oh man, wow, that is amazing. Boy, I really needed that. Yeah, that's what scripture does to thirsty souls. It revives us. We need this because we get discouraged and we lose sight of what the Lord has in store. We get focused, and listen, it's human. We get focused on the here and now instead of the future. We get focused on the problem in front of us. I'm not saying we can necessarily ignore it, But it's like, hey, a better day's coming. Glory's around the corner. We can deal with this. The future's bright for me. We can deal with it. We know it in our heads, but we forget it at times. That's why we need to read it. We need to know it again. Because we forget, we just get discouraged. You're in Psalm 119. Look at verse 93. The psalmist says, I will never forget thy precepts. 
Yeah, you need to read it again to not forget it. You need to memorize it to not forget it. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast, here it is again, thou hast quickened me. You've revived me, Lord. Lord, through the word of God, you revive my spirit. You refresh my spirit. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I get letters occasionally or emails, and people say, well, I don't feel like I have very much faith. Sometimes I wonder if I even have faith. I don't mean this in a trite way. I'm dead serious when I say this. Read large portions of Scripture. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. The Bible says God will revive you. He will encourage you. It will lead you into stronger faith. It will lead you even into more faith, okay? I might say, well, is that a biblical thing? Yeah, what did the disciples say? Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. And then when trials come, it's easier. When our faith is increased, it's easier for us to deal with the trials because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. By the way, isn't one of the, uh, one of the pieces of armor? The shield of faith. Some Christians have itty-bitty shields, sort of like those little pins that we put on coats. Here comes the fiery darts of the wicked one. Okay, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. Instead of being strong in the word, your faith increases. Now, this is just my idea, but I think it's biblical. Your faith increases, and when the darts come, they don't penetrate. Why? You're blocking them because you're strong in faith. Your faith has grown. Your faith has increased. So important. When we have a proper view of the future, which is what Revelation gives us, especially the imminent return of Christ at the rapture, it can affect our lives in a very positive way. Let me show you another passage that teaches that. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, now remember, 15 is the resurrection chapter. If the resurrection is not true, the Bible says we are hopeless. But Jesus did come back from the dead, provides victory through that. Only one who conquers death can offer life, and that's what he does for you and me. And he tells us about resurrection here when he talks about the rapture. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. With that in mind, jump down to verse 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58, I love it. Therefore, God is the God of logic. Therefore, be, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Why? Because we have eternal life, because the rapture is going to take place. We're going to live with the Lord forever in heaven. How do you know that? The Bible says so. That's why. Therefore, it, for me to give my life to serving Jesus Christ is the, most worth, is the most worthwhile thing I could do with my life. It only makes sense in the big picture. We can rejoice. We can rejoice. 
Revelation lets us know how great heaven will be for us. And this keeps us motivated and keeps us excited. You know, I think in this last year, I've come into a much greater, personally, this is personal, much greater appreciation for the future. I think, honestly, not to say we should give up and not pray or any of that. I'm not saying that, and I think all of you know that. But I think, honestly, we have seen our country as too much heaven. Too much heaven. And we've gotten so focused on our comforts in our country that we have not longed for heaven like we should. Do you understand what I'm saying? We love America. We love our country. We do. And we hope there's better days ahead for us before the rapture takes place. We pray every night, Lord, please keep us free to the rapture. But I'll tell you what, folks, people who live in countries where they're under intense persecution and it's getting worse all the time, those people are yearning for heaven, those Christians. Why? Because they don't have anything that resembles it here. And so they're looking really where God wants us to look and not to get bogged down with the stuff of this life. So what do we see? We see we are to read it, verse 3. We are to hear the words. Again, read it, know it again. Hear the words, it means to listen or take heed. And number three, we are to keep, verse 3, keep those things. The word keep means to keep or to observe. We are to obey what it says. There are commands in Scripture. There are commands in the book of Revelation for us to keep. It's not just a prophetic book of future history and events. There's also things for us. Look with me to Revelation chapter 2. We won't do a detailed study on this. We've done it before. I'm sure we'll do it again. But in Revelation chapter 2, the first church, the church at Ephesus, it says in verse 4, you know, Jesus is saying, I know your works and so forth. And then in verse 4, he says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Now, they didn't lose their salvation. They left their first love. In other words, their affection, what they cared about was waning. They were a church that was solid with theology, but they were losing. They'd left their first love, which was Christ and the gospel. They got away from it. And he says this in verse 5. This is Jesus speaking. Remember, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. What's he saying? You've waned. Your fire for me is, is going out. Your zeal for me, your love for me, your passion for me is going out. The way you fix that is you need to remember what it was like when you first got saved. How excited you were, how thrilled you were to be saved, to have eternal life. And not only that, notice this, remember, notice what he says, from whence thou art fallen. Remember how you got now where you are to where your fire has gone out. Trace the path. How you went from excited on fire to smoldering. Trace the path. And then do what? Repent. Change your mind. Have a change in your attitude, your thoughts. That's what repent means here. And then do what? Do the first works. The things you did when you first got saved. Those ABCs of Christianity that when you get down the road, you kind of say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, the four talks. Okay. Bible study, prayer, go to church and Witness the people, okay, the four talks. I know those. I know them forwards. I know them backwards. Okay, are you doing them? 
Am I doing them? Those are the first works. Anybody who lives those four things truly lives them. You don't just do them as a checklist on your to-do. Somebody who truly lives those from the heart, they'll never fall. They'll stay on fire. Now, they're basic. Yeah, why? God gave them to us as gifts to keep us going. Remember the first works, or excuse me, do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick, thy light stand out of his place. He's talking to the church here. Except thou repent. I don't believe there's a big church in Ephesus today. I don't know. Maybe there is. But I've never heard of one from what I've read. But see, this is the truth of it. So the blessing is there. The blessing is there. Now, if you haven't personally put your faith in Jesus Christ the Savior, you ought to be afraid of the future. You know, for a lost person say, you know what, I'm so beside myself about the way things are going, I can't sleep at night. It's like, that's a right response. That's a right response. Let me show you this. John chapter 3. See, folks, when you're sharing the gospel with somebody, and they're kind of, not literally, but you can see it. They're troubled. They're kind of sweating bullets. It's not a bad thing. Oh, I'm, I'm scared. Well, don't worry about it. God loves you. What? Yeah, he loved them so much that he provided a way for them not to be scared. Because otherwise, they should be scared. We'll say the guy's name is Bill. Bill, I understand why you're afraid. And you know what? Rightfully so. But there's a solution. God has provided the solution to where you don't have to be afraid anymore. Let me show you what it is. Look at verse 36, John 3, 36. You thought I was going to 16. I'm not. Verse 36, he that believeth on the Son hath, right now, everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. You're not going to heaven. But the wrath of God right now abideth on him. Verse 18 says, the unbeliever is condemned already. Already condemned. You don't wait until you die to find out whether you're condemned. You can know you're condemned right now unless you trust in Jesus Christ to save you. Believing he died on the cross, paid for your sins, and rose from the grave. And he'll give you everlasting life. It's not by works, for by grace are you saved, through faith in Christ. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, it's not of works lest any man should boast. So again, what's the point? Well, for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, we can have a great anticipation of what the future is going to be like. We can be encouraged. We can be reminded on a daily basis. Aren't you glad you've got the Word of God? You go there, maybe you're, you're troubled tonight, and you say, you know what, I'm going home to start reading about my future I'm going to go read about my future. That's a good thing. Preachers need to be telling the people what the future's about for them if they're saved. Hey, let's be encouraged by what's coming. Yeah, but the tribulation, we're not going to be here. Let's be encouraged by what's coming. Next thing, rapture. Then forever with the Lord. I mean, folks, we're almost home. That ought to encourage us. I hadn't thought about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we haven't thought about it. That's why we need to know it again. We need to read, don't we? Trust Christ. 
Okay, if you haven't, and if you have trusted Christ, rejoice in the anticipation of the wonderful future that we have. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.